Hello, my name is Alexander Morari, and I'm the founder of IGK Media. You've tuned into our podcast about Central and Eastern European startups that are in pre-series A stage. And I'm very happy to introduce Darko Jovicic today from the Robotic AI, Robotic.ai, should I say. Uh, that's the founder yeah. of a Croatian company. Again, there's another, another uh, geographical discovery uh, that we planned for our podcast to have uh, at least one startup uh, from every Central Eastern European uh, country. Uh, zdravo Darko, hello. Zdravo, zdravo. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Uh, as a quick introduction, Robotic.ai, that's a company that develops a platform for business process automation through basically RPA, right? Robotic process automa uh, automation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In and a nutshell, it's a, it's a RPA platform. Uh, RPA platform, yes, um, which which has been developing pretty rapidly, um, you will agree, right? And then t t tell me, what is RPA for somebody who, who doesn't know this space very well? What, how would you describe this in a, in a nutshell? It's a, it, it's a very simple software to explain and actually to show. So the software robot, even the term implies that it's some kind of hardware. It's, it's not, it's, it's, it's a piece of software that can replicate human interaction on the computer. So whatever you're doing now on the screen, clicking, entering data, so the robot can replicate that. So you can use this, I would call it like to simplify it, you can call it uh, macro on steroids. Um, so it's able to, to automate kind of the repetitive back office administrative type of work, uh, which today, you know, is still very much present. And there's a lot of manual human labor, especially in the services organizations, such as banks, insurances, telcos, and all these other uh, services companies. Uh, it's your fault, but I will dig deeper. So you said RPA is macro on steroids. And let's say I'm, let's say I'm a, like a seven-year-old kid, okay? So what do you mean by macro on steroids? And simplify it even more for somebody who is your potential client from the business side, not from the tech side or from like process-driven yeah. kind of, uh, department. So you can think of it uh, as a digital worker, as a digital companion. So it's, it's your digital... A uh, colleague who is doing all the boring stuff and all the repetitive stuff. Uh, so if you have some business process like copying data from one application to another, you can, uh, let's say, implement this digital worker who will take care of that and the humans can do much more creative stuff. How different is RPA from the automation processes um... Uh, not called this way and that have been there around for quite a while now. Yeah, uh, so, so RPA has a spot because especially in bigger companies, you have very uh, heterogeneous IT environment. So if you take, for example, a bank, you will have hundreds of applications like uh, old IBM mainframe style, you know, different types of application. So sometimes it's very hard to actually integrate them by the book through code and so on. And that's where the robots are especially useful because you can automate this uh, process quite quickly without the need to change anything in your IT environment. Ah, okay, okay. Um, and so you, uh, by, by implementation of RPA solution, so to say, you are creating an extra, extra dimension covering, right? All the- Yeah, you are, we are basically adding an, another layer on top and you are using whatever the humans would use in the process. So you're just adding 
on top of everything a piece of software that will that will do it as the same way as the humans would do it. Mm -hmm. And then just to finish the warm-up, who would you say are the ideal candidates for automation using RPA solutions? And let's let's go by the verticals or by the business types. Okay, so you mentioned banks. Mm -hmm. Who else? Yeah, so uh, financial services are a sweet spot because the process have the volume, have the repetitive nature. Um, also utility companies, uh, hospitality, um, manufacturing, but uh, basically any company uh, has, you know, some repetitive stuff going on. And uh, that's especially true if the company is mostly dealing with services, not the products. And in terms of the size, you know, most of the current implementations are in, let's say, enterprise segment. But I think as the time goes by, it will come down to the SME segment as well. You know what? Uh, this morning I received an email from a solution that I was trying to implement in our company. Uh, pretty interesting. I would say also like automation related. And so the business, global business development director took the uh, took the time and effort, or maybe just in, involved a bot or something, and mm -hmm. wrote to me a personal email saying, um, "Look, uh, judging by your data, we know that your company is uh, less than ten people, and this is not pay. Uh, this is not like cost effective for you. We work with enterprises starting with five thousand seats or licenses globally." So I'm sorry, but we will need to find something else. So would you say your your own, and now we will switch to your, your own uh, solution. Would you say your own um, uh, solution uh, has some entry barrier as far as number of um, users, licenses, seats, whatever you measure? Oh, it, 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 it has to come down to business case, uh, you know. So you can have a, I don't know, 10 people company or 15 people company, but if you are, uh, let's say, effectively saving one or two FTEs, you can pay off the technology itself and the implementation. So it's actually not a matter of kind of the absolute price of the product. It's more, can you find good candidates and a good business case to actually um, validate the, the investment? Uh, but in most cases, uh, the customers have something like six to 12 months uh, ROI period uh, for RPA implementation. Okay, okay, that's specific enough. Uh, Darko, that, let's then switch to the back to the scenario and uh, go to round one, the solution, the product. Mm -hmm. If you can, let's try and jump into the program and you will share uh, the screen. So what you see on the screen here uh, is, is an application uh, that is used to control the robots, to monitor the robots, what they are doing to, for assigning work. We call it headquarters or HQ. So it's kind of, uh, let's say, the server component of the entire solution. And then the second one is the, you have the actual robot. Um, our solution is uh, based on uh, unattended robots. So I will run the demo, but in production, this robot would not be running on employees' computers, it would be running in a virtual machine in data center. So the robot is completely autonomously working and this HQ component is controlling what is doing it and, and when is performing the process. So what you see on the screen here is a, is a model of, of a one very simple process. And this is how we specify to the robot what needs to be done. So as you can see, it's, a, it's not some kind of programming, it's it's more like business process modeling or, or some kind of workflow automation tool, somewhat similar to that. So for example, in this uh, step here, 
the robot will open an application which is located somewhere on the on the disk and after that it will uh, uh, it will read some data from an excel file and from a sheet one and it will read all rows and then it will repeat all the steps which are beneath it for every row from that excel file so what we are reading here is we are reading some data from the excel file and then just uh, entering this data in some kind of uh, application. So one of the specifics of our solution is that we rely on computer vision. So this step, it, it's a click step. Uh, the robot needs to click on a radio button in the application. And we are finding this element through use of uh, image processing algorithms. So when the robot comes to this step, it will take this picture, it will take the screenshot of the application and it will locate where is it uh, located on the screen. So this gives, gives us a simplicity because it's very easy to understand what will happen here. It's easy to replace this picture. And on the other side, we have the robustness because the, the, you know, the, the application can change a bit. It can change location. We can change the screen resolution and so on. So these are a couple of uh, you know, very important uh, things. Uh, so let me just uh, close this off. Uh, so how do you develop is you can, you can add steps manually. Um, so you have something like 70 different types of steps working with the application, working with Excel, working with uh, databases and so on. So you can do that way, but you can also uh, use the built-in recorder. So actually I can record stuff and increase the speed of development. So typically when we implement processes, it's something like weeks. So in a company, it would take, I don't know, two to three weeks to implement, automate a, a complex process. Okay. Um, so let me run it for you to, to actually see what's going on. So when I click play, it will start on my laptop. It will read the Excel in the background. It will populate the data. As you can see, it's quite fast. Now it's waiting for the contract to be processed and then it's done. Now this is a very simple process, but typically we are, you know, working with four, four or five different applications in a process. So I'll just, for the end, I will just do one more thing. So this was the original application that, that was used in the process. So I've made the small adjustment. As you can see, the button that was here is moved. It's bigger, it's different. The Euro is also uh, located somewhere else. And we are just gonna swap out these uh, applications. And without changing the process, I'm going to run the, the demo again. So in most cases, uh, using different products, it would fail. But in our case, since we are using computer vision, it's still able to find these controls even there in, if they're on different space and, and look differently. Um, so when you're done, actually what was running on my laptop, when you publish it into production, it's running completely auto autonomously. And the last bit is that we have a chatbot over here and this chatbot enables us. So it's not like a generic type of chatbot that you would see on, on a web page. It's integrated into the platform and it enables a communication of employees and robots. So very often you need to have approval from the employee or they need to direct the process or correct the data. So using this chatbot and some steps, we can implement in the process, you know, if the contract is larger than 100,000 euros, then you need to get 
approval mm -hmm. from the human to actually process the contract. So this is kind of the mediator for the communication between robots and, and humans. Yeah. So that was a very, very quick uh, lap through the product. Yes, Darko, thanks. It, it really looks very easy to implement, to operate and to run. Um, and I understand that, especially in, in like traditional, traditional types of companies like banks, I, uh, for instance, that um, are very usually, uh, uh, the whole infrastructure is uh, kind of outdated, you could say, right? And so like those COBOL mainframe, mainframe uh, 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 dinosaurs let's say your, your your additional value that i think this kind of process adds to the clients is that you give one could say a second life to those old outdated mainframes and yeah. without without yeah. without having to implement something completely new and without running the risk of uh, breaking things uh, in a relatively stable uh, world in the bank infrastructure you're just giving this a second life uh, basically and create a new more universal agile should i say or, or flexible language right to the users interesting yeah 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 you're definitely right so some of these applications don't have the technical capabilities to integrate them with other applications and the most in most cases you know you're using a couple of these applications so it's makes almost impossible or not worthwhile uh, to, to do it on the code base level. So the business users are stuck. So they give the request to IT, but IT is you know, overburdened. They constantly have to implement new things. They are worried that they might break something. And you know, there's obviously a lack of programming workforce. So they end up you know, doing the, the work manually and their um, business issues are not solved. So, with this technology, they can relatively quickly automate stuff and they can adjust over time. If the process changes, they can, um, yeah. So th that's, that's the upside. The downside is that uh, you are effectively increasing technical depth. Um, so yes, you are giving second life to, the, to, the, to these old applications, but at the same time, the technical depth is put under the carpet. So everything is like now automated, but in fact, it's still old. Uh, old applications. So I think, you know, the customers need to be aware, you know, they have to uh, follow the trends and try to modernize their, their environment. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's, let's maybe switch to the business side of your own company right now. So I understand as we just exchange in the meantime, uh, that you have some traction of already. And as far as annual revenue, it's more or less 350 ish uh, euro, uh, mm -hmm. I understand, and have uh, 15 or so paying customers, yeah. uh, which, which is great. And let's start with the first customer, first paying customer. Uh, mm -hmm. Could you take me through the process of uh, basically, you know, lending first contract and uh, going beyond pilots to a client that is paying for the service. How was mm. how, how difficult was the process and what takeaways you could share with um, new with yeah. other founders that are building some enterprise kind of uh, solutions? Yeah. For, first couple of customers were actually non-paying customers and uh, how it goes, you know, you basically gave away software just to have an opportunity to test uh, the, the application and then to to have opportunity to do something which is relevant. Um, but yeah, after that, uh, we had uh, this uh, confirmation that it's working uh, in production on some customers. And we managed to, to secure a couple of uh, contracts. 
So one was with the Serbian partner, which implemented the system actually for American insurer. Um, so they've uh, spent a lot of time actually evaluating everything that was on the market and they liked the flexibility and how fast we were in actually developing the system. So they also like the opportunity they, that they can influence actually the roadmap and the responsiveness of, uh, of our support and people, which is, uh, you know, I would say also say very important because now you have these uh, big RPA companies, but it, sometimes it's very hard to get in touch with them and to actually solve your problems. Ah, okay. So, so you, yeah, so, so so you want to say uh, you want to say the current kind of leaders in RPA RPA market are biting their own t tail by being too 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 big right now and focusing on like biggest clients yeah. of their own. Okay, and that's where yeah, your competitive they're, they're, edge could be. Okay. Yeah, they're going so aggressively that you know they they kind of maybe I would say lose touch with the customer base and the partner base. Mm -hmm. and that's definitely what we see on the market because very often we come in a situation where the customer had some licenses of some solution and they were trying to do something on their own for a year or two but it's going nowhere and then we step in and then we do it properly uh, and we see it all, all all the time so i would say yes so they are a victim of uh, their success at the same time okay interesting um and what about the pricing you have 15 mm -hmm. clients or so uh take me like through uh your price price bands uh, or price ranges um what yeah, are so the key elements yeah go on please. yeah we have we have different licensing models so the 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 one that is the most standard is the annual annual subscription and it's what everybody else has in, on the market and i would say the minimal we are quite transparent with the pricing um so the minimal deployment is HQ plus two robots and the robot can do multiple processes, uh, not at the same time, but it can do, let's say different jobs. And you have capacity of 24 hours uh, where you can you know, use this robot to fill it up. So the HQ plus two robots is something like 10 and a half thousand euros uh, annual subscription. Uh, besides that, we have the, uh, the perpetual version uh, licensing model and that's like the traditional IT uh, capex based uh, budgeting which is still uh, relevant for some companies because they want to buy an asset they want to have it on their books and they want to invest from capex budget and lastly we also introduced a new model we haven't uh, marketed that much but it's actually pay-per-use uh, so you're not licensing components you're buying essentially minutes of robot work. And this uh, minute of robot work, uh, the price is correlated uh, uh, to the cost of work. So the, the price of minute in Croatia is not the same as the price in Norway. So this gives you ability to actually, uh, you know, grow with the solution. And then, you know, when, when you can see, uh, when you determine that it's more um, more viable that you will use annual subscription, you can switch to that and, and, and save. So we have different licensing models. Yeah, yeah. So I, in your case, pay-per-use, it's like a, your go-to-market kind of uh, uh, strategy, right? So come try, have a test drive. That will be very important in the future when we start going more into the SME space because, you know, smaller companies cannot afford, you know, upfront investment of 10 or 15k 
into the technology. So this, yeah, as you said, gives them an opportunity to try and if it works, they can, they can later switch to the other model. And also, I think this will be a key for your expansion um, without actually uh, interacting with clients directly, right? So this this could be uh, automated as well. So they come, mm. they, they 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 test drive, and if they like, they buy, and they don't need to send your sales reps or or salespeople to meet a small company in Poland or, or, or Slovakia or Latvia. Right? Yeah, yeah. Especially if you can also provide them with the standardized processes. So you know, as a company. Yeah. You have to send a lot of things uh, to the government, tax authority. There are a lot of standardized stuff in uh, company operations. So if you, if you can give them a finished robot, you know, that sends, you know, some tax information or something that's, you know, you're also taking the implementation price as well. So definitely, yeah, going forward, that will be a really important model. But our scaling model is actually through partners. Uh, so yes, we are selling directly but not, that's not the desired state. So the desired state, we already have uh, around 10 partners that are actively selling and implementing the technology. So the idea is that they buy licenses from us and they implement it for the end customer. A license for what, for a, for a, for a market? Like for one they, country, they, no, or for they, city, they, no, what's they, your approach? Uh, so they, they, you know, they find a bank, a telco, whatever, who likes the solution. So they buy the license, the platform license from us. They sell it to the customer and then they implement the processes on top of that. So oh, I see. This. So integrators, yeah. local integrators yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, get access to. Okay, okay. It's, so, it's not and only then integrators. They... Actually, it's, uh, most of our partners are kind of business consulting companies. Uh, processor engineering, you know, these kinds of management consulting and so on. Yeah, yeah, but somewhere down down the pyramid of like all the names and so on, there are some integrators involved as well, but basically it's yeah, a yeah. more strategic level as well. Okay, interesting. Uh, Darko, let's make a quick kind of uh, experiment, okay? Let's say I'm your client and I know already as much as I know now about the product and mm. I will go through a couple of questions with you and uh, try to answer them like, you know, sh short, Sweet to the point, okay? Okay. Hi, Darko, I'm your potential client. Uh, are you able Hi. to support the full automation lifecycle from discovery of uh, necessary processes and so on to, to, to actually measurement of success? Yeah, yes, yes, we can. So we have also the analysis part, the implementation, and then we also have some metrics and dashboards we can which can actually show you how much you saved. Okay, we've tried many other solutions. How quick are your solutions? I mean, how fast the process uh, is, basically, for a very complicated process, let's say. It's uh, typically what we see on the market, it's uh, somewhere between two and six weeks. Six weeks being, uh, you know, like more complicated processes. And that includes everything from business analysis to production. That's implementation, I understand. And then how quick are the processes? themselves uh, through your It depends process. on uh, mostly on how fast are the underlying applications. So if the human needs to wait 15 minutes for, for some report uh, to be generated, then the robot will also cannot be faster than that. So in most cases, it depends on the applications. Okay. How much resources do, will I have to involve in the deployment stage? I mean, how many people you will need from, from my company? There are two, uh, you need the, the process owners or the process uh, executioners, you will need them in two phases. One is during the analysis and the second one is during the testing. So these are 
let's say two, two areas where we need engagement. And also we need some support from IT. Albeit uh, we don't need very much of their engagement, but we need someone who will uh, create the virtual machine, install the application, open users and, and so on. Okay, thanks. Next. Um, are you implementing in how heavily machine learning and predictive analytics? Yes, we are implementing machine learning and uh, that happens in the vision center, which is actually uh, locating these uh, elements in the application. And that makes it easier to develop and it's more robust. Okay, clear. Darko, uh, what about the interconnectivity? Uh, how seamless is it? And have you tried on many like different settings or setups of different? Uh... Yeah, you don't have to be limited. Uh, so you can use any type of application to automate. And also you can integrate our solution with your applications through API, meaning you can, in your application, when a user clicks OK, you can call our platform and start the robot to do some work and then to return the results. So you can heavily integrate it in, into your environment as well. Are you uh, allowing us to integrate third-party analytics and let's say dashboard systems as well? Uh, yeah, you can retrieve the, the job statistics um, you know, using API so you can analyze it in your own system. Yes, okay. And basically I have a question, uh, but you, I think, answered this already. Are you offering flexible licensing model and low cost of entry, which you do? Right? Yeah, yeah. We, we, that's one of the key, uh, key things. So we provide flexibility in terms of licensing, but also in terms of deployment. So you have option to deploy everything on-prem. It can be hybrid and it can also be like completely outsourced cloud-based. So we can host everything for you as well. Thank you, Darka. I'm buying. Uh, I will send you a contract <laughs> by email. Thank you. you. I will send you an invoice. <laughs> Darko, thanks. Let's move on. Round two competitors. Mm -hmm. Just as you said, the market, the, the space is growing and almost $2 billion or so are like predicted by the, by the consulting companies. And um, yeah, this space is bound to grow. Um, in dollar value kind of, but also in number of competitors. You are not the first, you are not the second into the space and there are giants, as you know, some of them also come from Central Eastern Europe. Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that are Deca, Deca Corns already and a whole list of uh, companies already present. How, what's, what's your differentiator, you would say? And how can you join the race mm -hmm. successfully? First of all, I think the market is still young. There's so much space, you know, we've been talking to clients all over Central East Europe and I would say roughly 60 to 70% actually never heard about this technology, which, which is very interesting, you know, so I think there's a lot of space yet. Um, in terms of the differentiators, I would say our key buzzword or key term is simplicity. So as you see, as you've seen in the demo, it's, uh, it's, it's aimed to provide you know, this simplicity and that uh, simplicity is related to development, but also in maintenance. I didn't show these aspects, but RPA is quite maintenance heavy. So if something changes in the application, if you know, there's uh, some Windows update happening, you know, you know, so the consequence is that somebody always needs to monitor and fix processes and this stuff. So we have a bunch of features that allows it to have more simple uh, simple maintenance and troubleshooting. Like, for example, uh, we can have video recordings of every job that 
the robot did. So you can actually see what the robot did and you can actually see what happened, what error happened during the process. So a bunch of features like that. So in one word, it's simplicity and this simplicity gives us speed in, in, in development and deployment. Would you say RPA is in the in this trend of uh, no code, low code kind of um, approach? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can see definitely some of the competitors actually going more deeply into this low code and actually diverging from from RPA to kind of more low code uh, type of stuff. So I'm, I think in the future we might see some of these, you know, blending. So it will be very hard to distinct actually what, what is a robot, what is a low code. So yeah, that, that's, that's happening on the market as well. You can see that RPA vendors are integrating RPA with many different, uh, different systems like uh, BPMs, low code solutions, process discovery tools, machine learning uh, solutions. So it's kind of, you know, uh, being integrated into many different um, solutions. They call it hyper automation. So that's the next level uh, buzzword that you will hear about. Or RPA 2.0, right? Yeah, yeah. The term is hyper, hyper automation. I don't like it, but <laughs> that, that's the marketing. Yeah, working. hyper mega super duper. Yeah. <laughs> Darko, thanks. Let's move on. Round three, a quick Q&A. Um, what are your key personal productivity hacks? Key productivity hacks? Not the um, tools, but, but the way you do things. Mm -hmm. um, well, it's, uh, in my case, it's, uh, it's a lot of multitasking, but I like to keep maybe one or two things that I really want to accomplish through the day. Of course, there are a lot of uh, in, uh, interruptions and, you know, emails and different things going on. But uh, for a certain period, I like to get what I call the in, in the zone. So uh, I just tune out and I, I, I decide, you know, these are the two key points that I want to do today. You know, if you don't do that, then you end up, you know, uh, not managing work, but it's actually managing you. So you're just, you know, like floating on the river and the river is taking you wherever it wants. So. Yeah, I understand your approach. So you want to prioritize and get into the zone, so to say. But now, technically, what what signals do you send out to the people around you? Do you put a card? They, they, they like, it's actually, yeah, they actually can see it on my face. So if they start talking to me and I'm just like looking at them and they can see that actually I'm looking through them, then they realize, oh, okay, you're in the zone. So I'll, I'll come back later. <laughs> oh, that's a phrase that you are using in the team, in the zone, right? Yeah, no, no, they, they started actually uh, seeing this behavior on me. And so they, they come in and, okay, I see that you are now <laughs> deep in, into something. So I will come back later. <laughs> twilight zone. Okay. <laughs> and and a little bit like a, a little bit of a brainstorm. How would you suggest uh, yourself or other people basically to show that you are in the zone? Um, I mean, physically to people in the physical surroundings. Would you say there's like a card or you put your headphones uh, uh, in your ears? Yeah, and yeah, so that's yeah. maybe I should do something like that. Some, some card or some sign on the door or something, you know, don't disturb now or something like that. Yeah, because yeah, I admit sometimes I get, I get it into a stupid situation because, you know, somebody's asking you something and then you're just not perceiving them at all. And look, there's a cost of switching to this question and if you are like a diplomatic or you know a good team worker or team le leader yeah, and so yeah. on you have to show some you know respect or 
pretend you 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 you, you, you are interested attention yeah. <laughs> yeah but then the cost of switching to this and then back to what you were uh, focusing on probably is very expensive to the company especially you know when people like at high level of responsibility and decision making process and power yeah. are involved yeah yeah um, you're completely right so again again um as far as a recommendation would you say a a simple card uh would be enough like or just just yeah. a card you know a sticky note on your computer basically right if it's yeah. a if it's a uh, red one you just stick a sticky note uh, which is red and you say no go i'm in the twilight zone or yellow it's a, if it's very urgent or whatever right and yeah, i think it's, it's it's a good suggestion wow, interesting. i think it... <laughs> wow i mean you come on i mean it. really it's a very it's a very it's very easy i will i will test it tomorrow by the way with the team as well okay and so the, let me know about the result do the same. The only, thing, the only thing, you know, if you keep the red all the time, then it's gonna, uh, you know, the effect is not gonna work. So you have to use it carefully, you know, not like all day, eight hours, it's it's red, you know, you have to yeah. use it wisely, I would say. Yeah, yeah, red, red line. Okay, interesting. Um, Darko, next question. Look, knowing what you know today, what would you do differently? What are, in my company? Yeah. Uh, where do I start? <laughs> um, yeah. So um, we first the fundraising. So we raised the seed series a couple of months ago, and but actually we started way back, maybe almost two years ago, and we've done it in a completely wrong time. Um, so we had uh, already a larger number of employees. So we had something like 20,000 euros of uh, burn each month. And, but at, at that point, we didn't have traction. We didn't have still uh, sold licenses on the market. So we were asking for a lot of money with no proof that actually, uh, you know, the somebody is willing to pay for that. So, so we spent a bunch of time, you know, contacting VCs and uh, spending time when actually it was, it was, was not a good time to do that. So we had to pull the brake and to achieve this traction of uh, 10 customers and then go back to VC and then, you know, we, it, it was working quite fast. So that was number one. Um, number two, I would also be careful about, more careful about cash flow things, you know, because, um, you know, when we actually launched the product uh, just two months before the COVID struck, you know, and for three, four months, nothing was happening. So we almost died, like <laughs> really we are close to that. And there were some government subsidies and we managed to pull through um, just, you know, by an inch, you know, and then the market started and we started selling licenses. But, you know, if the situation was longer for a month or two, we would be dead. So I think uh, cash flow is really something that you have to be careful about at the beginning. And also, I would say, um, you know, um, be careful about equity and, and, and how you structure your uh, cap table. And, and because uh, later, later down the road, you could have some issues uh, related to that cap table. So I would be careful around that. Without giving like specific details um, of the issues that, that you, you, you hint at right now, as far as managing cap table, what do you mean with that? Like be more assertive with investors or be less, be more frugal with uh, employee 
equity? Um, I, I would be careful about early stage investors and, and, and how much you're giving to them and what's their level of engagement. So what, what you don't want to end up is with, the, let's say, a passive investor uh, who has larger uh, portion of equity in your company because that's going to be a dead weight uh, for the VCs that are going to come in later. So it can be a cause of, uh, cause of issues. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, to, be, to be aware that it's not a casting for you as a startup. You are doing the casting as well, right? Yeah. Uh, for yeah. the VC, basically. Interesting. Round four, mm-hmm. uh, the company. Okay, so you said, you mentioned already, the company was founded, what, in 2018, more or less? 2018, August. So yeah, it's going to be three years. Mm-hmm. And so as far as management board, um, it's yourself, Darko Jovicic, uh, product owner, co-founder, and then you also have Marco Gudeli, uh, Anna Vidovic, uh, Ivan Bellas. Uh, mm-hmm. um, and, yeah, so um, me, Marco, and Ivan are co-founders. Uh, and then Anna Maria is also a member of our leadership team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you have yeah. all the relevant backgrounds and... Uh, yeah, yeah, we spent, uh, you know... Uh, uh, a lot of years in actually corporate IT. I, I used to work for Microsoft. Marco used to work for Software AG, and we covered the different uh, roles, everything from uh, sales, marketing down to the uh, implementation, so consulting practices. So we had various uh, various types of skills. Also, I was a partner in a company which, where I was a um, practice leader. So, and the company was sold to the system integrator so i also had let's say not a big one but uh, i had an exit uh, previous to this uh, startup yeah how many people are you um beyond the founding team so now we are uh, 13 fts and plus five six external contractors mm-hmm. and what's the division of labor between uh, purely like back-end tech and sales marketing are you not growing on sales i would say it's a uh, 50 50 uh, so okay. half of the team is in development and half is in other functions. We are recording this podcast in July, more or, le- uh, more or less, like half of July, let's say. By end of mm-hmm. this year, 2021, what are, you, what are your plans for the team growth? I would say we would send something like maybe like 20 people. Um, that's, that's the plan. Uh, for other KPIs, uh, our plan is to do something like 400K ARR. So annual recurring revenue, and from the top line perspective, so overall revenue, we are aiming something like 650k uh, euros, which is more or less double growth uh, what we had last year. Mm, yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, from low base, you can go by hundreds of percent. But anyways, uh, um, yeah, with these dynamics, I understand. Would it be correct to say that? By end of 2022, you would target something like 1 million uh, yeah, ARR? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's the goal. And especially when it comes to partners, because now we are having partners which are completely independent, meaning that they can sell and implement and deploy and do everything without any help from our side. So, And that's the best case scenario. So they just call in and say, I need HQ plus five robots. And, and you just give them the invoice and the license and that's it. So that's, that's the sweetest part. If we would have, you know, 20 of these partners, then, then it would be really awesome. Yeah, yeah. And can you share the, um, can you share the, 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 
the revenue share between you and partners like yeah, yeah range sure, sure. this could be, this uh, so, could be so they get well. they they get uh, 25 to 35 percent margin so discount on the license so they get a cut of the licenses plus uh, they get uh, all the implementation services for the customer and typically it's it's larger budget so when you take a, a bigger project in some enterprise company licenses are like maybe 30-40% of the project value and the rest is, you know, the services, the mandates. Um, so there's a significant, um, you know, revenue opportunity for partners that are in this space. Yeah, and I understand as far as partners revenue, it's more kind of one-off for them and you're taking majority, if not all of the recurrent, or is it not the case? In licensing, they get 25 to 35%, but oh, you know, okay. you have to... Uh, you have to understand how these uh, projects typically work. So, mm. um, so you come in with the customer, you automate first five process. It, it works uh, very well. You know, customer is happy, and then they come back after a couple of months and they say, "I, I have a two ten new process that I want to automate." And then after half year, another. So it's constantly actually doing smaller projects uh, okay. in, in 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 circles. So. Mm -hmm. So if, if you are service-based, you know, like an integrator, you can actually make a lot of money uh, in these types of projects. Okay. So how, how great a mission to become rich, making other part partners rich as well. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. <laughs> Darko, thanks. And let's move on to the final round, round five, Formula F3, or funding for the future. So mm -hmm. where we review the funding history and plans uh, for the company, right? So by now I understand you just announced your seed round and your total investment is more or less 1.1 million euros. And this comes from JNT Ventures and you have also what a grant, right? From EU Eurostar uh, program. Yeah, project. yeah, 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 yeah. Now, so um, what about the run runway that you plan to use this? Like how long? Mm -hmm. Uh, it's a, the, the financing is based on 18 months. Um, and the whole plan for these 18 months is actually to, uh, to scale uh, in the Central East Europe and, and some other markets, which are not, you know, the mature markets like US, UK. And, and that step of 18 months is actually preparation for the uh, for uh, actually uh, going to these, you know, UK, US, Germany, and all these richer markets. And that, why we are doing it in, in this way, because we want to be ready for that step in terms of having, you know, uh, a bigger reference list of customers, uh, having a bigger partner network. And also through the Euro, uh, EU Eurostars program, we are working on some really cool and advanced features, which would give us more competitive edge when we come to those more, um, more developed markets. Uh, so the next plan would be like uh, late, uh, late next year, actually start uh, fundraising for the Series A and, and then actually um, go for these bigger markets. Okay, and as far as Central Eastern European markets, uh, which ones are the priority for you based in Croatia right now? Like with the closest or like the richest in Central Eastern Europe, what, what is your approach? All of them. So, so we are already covering, let's say the closer region, the Balkans region, but uh, we also want to be much more present in Poland, in Slovakia, in Czech, 
even in Bulgaria and Romania, and some markets, you know, like I don't know Turkey. You know, it's a, the, the, I think it's it's quite a wealthy market, but I think it's underserved by the competition. So we want to target this. We we have a partner, for example, in South Africa, and which is also proving to be a really really good market. So we want to find these types of markets, which have the the need and 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 the, and the budgeting to actually. Uh, um, to implement such technology. And I think there is also some hidden uh, potential in trying and get local branches of global companies uh, to implement and then scale, scale, escalate this to more cluster kind of level, EMEA, global and so on. Yeah, yeah uh, we are working already with a couple of these um, like conglomerates, global conglomerates where we are implementing like BDO is an example. It's um, one of the biggest tax and audit uh, uh, companies. So we started in Austria. Now we are doing project in Croatia. We are going to do probably a project in Czech, Serbia. And then, you know, you have this opportunity to actually, as you said, then approach the global uh, video and say, you know, we have it working in five countries. You know, can we roll it out on, on a more global level? Yeah, yeah, and then you have your own internal kind of insiders, uh, inside champions in this mm -hmm. global conglomerate. It's interesting. Darko, thanks. And um, I have to ask this question as I usually do. Do you have your own personal exit plan for the company? And don't tell me this is too early and so on. Uh, let's say, let's imagine you said this already. So I, I'm pushing. What's the exit plan for yourself? Um, well, I would say it's a strategic partner. Um, so I wouldn't say it's IPO. I think the most likely path for us is that, you know, either a, a vertical company or a horizontal company buys us. Um, so it could be something, you know, I don't know, a bank or insurance buys us, or it could be some like technological company, let's say a BPM software provider or something like that, you know, some company like that, they also can um, acquire our software to actually, um, broaden their uh, product portfolio. So I think that's the most likely case, I would say. So yeah, I, I have an exit plan. <laughs> yes, great, great. This is a very clear exit plan. Um, thank you very much, Darko. That was a great conversation. Wish you all the best. And uh, of course, to reach ARR, that will enable you to have a strong, uh, strong hand with uh, Series A investors. Thank yeah, you very much. Th thank you very much for this uh, conversation. and. Bye to everyone watching this podcast. Thank you. Bye-bye. All the best.